Okay. Well, good. Well, I, it, um, my intention on reading Psalm 23 for these last two weeks has been to train us more on what we talked about three weeks ago, which is discovering the promises of God and then appropriating them to yourself. And this is a great scripture where you just read it and you're like, well, it's all in there, but it's easy to put it, you know, it's one of those things that's easy to put it out there, but also to bring it close, meaning that we all look at that and say, yeah, I totally get this. I've walked through some dark valleys and and I discovered that the Lord was with me, so I, I can I can do that. But then there's those times in our life when we're like really in the dark valley right now, and we forget. And that's when we need to turn back to the scripture again and say, "No, no, I know that this valley, I am God is with me." And so I uh, I, I just want to you know just walk through the scriptures. And that's what I do. You know, I used to be, uh, you know, Bible college and, and seminary train you to, to like study in a way that's kind of wooden. You know, it's just like I'm a student of the word. And, the, you know, I, I swung on that side for a long time. And that, but I've always been uh, kind of a devotional person. And now, now in my old age, now I'm, I, I'm a little bit of both. But I definitely am way more on the devotional side of things. And when I read this scripture, I, uh, the first thing it reminds me of is when I was a, a young man, like these young guys right here, my parents, my mom, she would, she would drag me to church. Now, it wasn't so much a drag, um, but the, uh, I do remember that I wasn't, I wasn't really that interested in the guy that was talking up front. But I, I was... Uh, she, would, she took me to this church. Um, it was a Presbyterian church, um, Neshaminy <coughs> Presbyterian Church, and this is, this is actually an important thing. And in the, in the front of the steeple was a picture of a shepherd with a lamb over his shoulders. And I can never, t- I couldn't tell you one thing that that guy ever said, no matter how many times we went there. But I remember vividly, like, this thing was burned into my senses, this shepherd with the sheep over his shoulders. And it, the picture, it, it was one of those things, it was stained glass, so, you know, you look at every, you know, it's like you're counting how many pieces of glass did this take and all. But I got the, I got the picture, and I, lo- I, I still love this to this day. Well, it wasn't until I was, uh, I, I was doing some... Uh, church history work, that I began to understand the significance of that building that I was in. And the, the pastor of, of that church, uh, his name was William Tennant, and he had something called the Log College. Uh, in fact, I went to Log College Middle School. Never knew what Log College was, but somehow or another, somebody put it on the map. Well, at the Log College... A man uh, uh, called George Whitfield came to preach. George Whitfield was instrumental in the first great awakening of the United States of America. And that little college, that little log college that William Tennant uh, taught in, actually became Princeton University. So it was the site of 
one of the greatest revivals that ever happened. It was the sight of a group of people that said, we're going to seek God with all our hearts. Out of this little cabin, God brings this great and significant movement of God that is really for us today. So why do I say that? Uh, You never know the steps that God will take you through in your life to bring you to the place where he wants to open up a larger door, which kind of brings us to this scripture right here, that God's revival isn't found in largeness. We always, we always think it is, but the, the kingdom of God, Jesus says, it's something you can't see, right? Because it's in, it's in you. You know, we, it, we, and the, the people in Jesus' day, they wanted to come with a bang. And it seemed to come out with a little fizzle. And yet today, we're all hanging out here going, wow, look at what God has done. So that picture of the shepherd has totally impacted me, but it also gave me a heritage. And I want to talk about that a little bit because it's part of uh, the promises. So let's take a a slow walk back through this uh, scripture. Uh, Last week, here's here's some of the promises that we got, that God will provide for us. How many need a little provision? Anybody need a little extra something? Okay. Okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Right? So whatever I need. Okay. And then he talks about restoring our soul. Uh, boy, d- d- we don't really understand how broken we really are. <laughs> uh, I, I, d- I do. Because uh, pretty much on a, on a daily basis, I realize there's still so many things in me that the Lord needs to heal. Uh, but he, he promises to restore our soul. And then sometimes we're down because the season of life we're in, we're like, man, you know, I need a renewal here, God. And guess what? He promises that he will renew us. And it's up for us to just say yes. And then guidance. You know, there's different parts of our life, different times of our life. We're like, God, what am I supposed to be doing? And then he's like, I will lead you. I will guide you. Now, all of that in the first part of the psalm is very nice, isn't it? And it's, it says that he will lead us beside quiet waters He will restore our soul. He will let us lie down. He will make us to lie down in the green grass. And then we get this abrupt, I mean, the deep darkness of a crazy valley. And it's such a setup. Uh, You know, how can can David write this, like, you know, it's like it's all flowing streams. Isn't the Christian life wonderful? It's like it's all flowing streams and green grass. And then he's like, Let me tell you the rest of the story. The rest of the story is we're going to find ourselves walking in the path (laughs) that goes down, 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 down. Okay. And so, but in the midst of that, uh, Jesus promises, as, as was already said, that he will be with us. And that promise is one, of the, is one of the greatest promises because Jesus reiterated it. He said, even to the end of, age, end of the age, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will always be with you, no matter what. And I, and I think that promise right there is something that just, I mean, makes the difference in our lives because without God, we're in trouble. Yes? Okay. All right. So... Um, I just love the contrast. He goes from really nice to really dark, 
and really deep. Um, you know, as I was studying this week, uh, you know, I didn't want to make this uh, kind of like a studious, you know, it's like, let's go through the words, you know, the deep darkness, the valleys, you know. Uh, the, that, that word actually means the shadow of death. It's a, it's a compound word, word which isn't, isn't really common in, in Hebrew. Um, but I, I was reading it, uh, Charles Spurgeon said this one thing in, in one of his talks, and he said, it, it's interesting because there's no substance in a shadow. <laughs> and I'm like, I like that. There's, it, it just st- stuck with me all uh, for the last couple of weeks. It's like, it's, it's, n- it's the shadow of death. It's not death it, itself. And really, for most people, the thing they're worried about most in life is when it comes to the time of death. Isn't it? I mean, a lot of us, when we think about our death, do you guys think about your death? I think about my death fairly often. Uh, you know, because I'm getting older, I'm like, oh no, the clock is running out. <laughs> young people probably don't. And you shouldn't, because when I was young, I was invincible. I would never die and see, I'm still here. So I must be, I, 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 I must be. <laughs> but, let me, but let me read you another portion of Scripture which, which uh, encourages us. In 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 54 and following, uh, this is what Paul says. Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. I love this. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And I think uh, David does a wonderful job of saying the shadow of death doesn't have any place anymore. Because the Lord is now with us. So, promise number one, the Lord will be with you no matter what the valley is. And maybe you guys are going through something. Maybe you guys online are going through a valley right now. The promise of God says that He's going to walk with you through that valley. All right, second promise. And I love this. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Have you ever worried about the enemy's role in your life? You know, before you know the Lord, he, he's really, you know, he doesn't make himself that known. Well, at least not to me. But as soon as you start following Jesus, then all of a sudden, like, like Leonard says, you start going, hey, is the enemy messing with me? And uh, most of his messing, I've got to tell you, for, from a Christian perspective, has to do with what's happening up here in your brain. Uh, like, you know, it's not going to work out. I mean, how many struggle with thoughts uh, that, that, that you know aren't yours because you know that the Lord is with you and you know the Lord has blessed you and the Lord, the Lord has provided and yet you're still like, I don't know if the Lord's with me. I don't know if he's going to provide. I don't know. You know, you just stay worried. Okay. Well, the promise here says that he is going to be with us. And I think that the, the next promise is the protection from the enemy. And I, I, I love uh, Richard was talking about the, the rod and the staff. So it says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So there's no, no reason to fear because you're with me. And then he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And, 
you know, I'm, I'm looking for some deep, you know, theological purpose in the rod and the staff, and, and you can look at it, and there, and there actually is, because the, the, the rod was a club, uh, you, you know, I, I was reading the, the, the history of clubs, and clubs actually became axes once they discovered that you should, you should have a helmet. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But they didn't have helmets yet, so they're still working with clubs. But that club also was the authority of the tribe. And you remember Aaron's rod, right? It, that was his, his authority. And remember when they, he had them line up all the, all the rods and Aaron, Aaron's budded and, and flowered and, and fruited all in one day. And he's like, I think God's choosing this guy. Um, but it's God's authority that we can, we can count on. The thing that comforts us is that God has the authority over the devil. He has the authority over sickness. He has the authority, you know, over sin. And the, the thing that, that comforts us is that God has the authority. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go into all the world, right? And so a lot of times we're, we're like, I don't know if God's strong enough to get through this. It's like, no, God establishes his authority. He says, there it is, the rod. And then the, the staff is, is a, kind of a, a different thing. Uh, it, it has to do really with a walking stick, and it's something to lean on, which, uh, you know, as I was thinking about it, it's mostly, it, it's mostly spoken of of old people, that the staff was something to rest on, kind of like this pulpit. It's like, I'm getting tired, right? Now, of course, the Lord doesn't, doesn't, get, doesn't get tired, but what he's saying is that you, can, I, you will stand, you will stand. No matter what you're going through, there is no evil. I am with you, and my authority is with you, and you will stand. Remember in Ephesians chapter 6 when it talks about the, the work of the enemy, what's he say? Stand. <laughs> and this rod and this, this staff, they comfort me. And then I was wondering about the whole concept of, of comfort. And uh, the, the concept in, in this Hebrew word means to breathe deeply and to let out a sigh. How many are ever worried about something? I, I know. What was it? Was it Beth and your kids? <laughs> you, were, you were telling us that you sighed one day in your class. You're like, ah. <laughs> and the kid says, my mother does that. <laughs> But God's authority and his, his ability to make you stand lets us breathe out a sigh of relief and say, Lord, you got this. I don't, I've been holding this worry. I've been breathing deeply, but now I can just let it go. Okay, because he is with me. All right, so if you're anxious, fearful, let it go. Everybody breathe out. Okay, you're good. Okay, lastly, so, and then, then I love this, this picture. You prepare a table. You prepare a feast before me in the presence of my enemies. I just wonder, you know, David was chased a lot. He had enemies everywhere. 
And he, his, his life was at risk, a, a good portion of his life. You read the Psalms, you're like, boy, what a lousy life. You know, you've got enemies around. And most of us, hopefully, we don't have too many enemies. If you do, just forgive them and bless them and love them. Um, but these were like physical enemies. But he, had, he gives this picture to himself of what was really happening. And that while his enemies were encroaching, God was, was saying, Let's sit with me. Let's have a meal. He lets out the sigh of worry about all that stuff that was coming in. And then he sits down for a meal. Now, when you're all stressed out, do you want to eat? You know, anybody has ever, you know, I remember, you know, as a a young person, you know, you have a girlfriend, you break up, and then you lose like 10 pounds, you know. It was terrible. It's It's a good thing. I've been in love now for 35 years. <laughs> you can see what's happening with me. Uh, so uh, anyway, <laughs> this is what happens with love. Sean, just watch it, man. That, that svelte body that was attracting all those women, it's, it's going to be over soon. Anyway, where, <laughs> where was I? Uh, so he sets this table in the midst of his enemies, and then he says this. He says, you, you prepared. This, this table. And then he says, you anoint my head with oil. Now, when, when you're a guest of honor in, in the East, what they do when you show up is they put oil on your head. Remember, Jesus complained. He said, you know, I came to your guy's feast and you didn't anoint me with oil. But this woman is anointing me with, with, uh, this, with perfume. And so it was very common if, when someone came to your home and you wanted to make them the guest of honor is that you would pour oil on them. And this touches my heart because we are the honored guests of Jesus. When we come to him and we say, let's sit down, he says, you are my honored guest. I think I've told you my, my story. My, my grandmother, when I'd go to visit her, she, she used to uh, put the coffee before me. Uh, she's the one that got me stuck drinking coffee. <laughs> got me addicted. Thanks, Grammy. Uh, but she would always call me the honored guest because she used to take her grandkids one at a time. You know, she, she didn't just like bring them over. She always brought us one at a time, and then we would be her honored guests. And when I read this, I, I get the sense that, that David's like, I am the honored guest of this feast. This is the lavish love of God. It's, it's more than we can ever, ever, ever partake, but it's not just, you know, in this moment. He is showing the whole satanic world that this is my beloved. You can't touch him. You anoint my head with oil. You know, there's kind of three types of anointing in the Bible. And I think they're all significant here. The one is this, the honored guest. The other is, you know, for the special spiritual purpose. When God anoints us, he anoints us to set us apart for himself. That's what uh, ordination's all about. 
You've all been ordained. And uh, John says in First John, he says, you, you all have an anointing from the Lord because he's anointed us. And I want to, uh, when I was reading that, I, was, I, was, uh, I, I spent some time with this <laughs> and going, Lord, thank you that you've anointed my head. You've anointed me. You've set me apart. You've called me your honored guest. And then there was a, the anointing for healing. And, and so as, as Leonard said, that we anoint for healing, but, you know, Jesus, the, he says, God, my shepherd, you've anointed my head. You're wanting to heal me from the head all the way through. And, uh, you know, Jesus does all three when he, when he sits us down. Okay. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Now, You remember the story of Joseph and the brothers, right? And all the brothers come together, and Benjamin shows up. And what happens? He gets double portion. He gets the overflowing, and the brothers are like, what, what does this guy know? <laughs> and it's, it's really just a sign of God. You know, this is what he does to us. You know, a lot of us think that God is a stingy God, or, you know, one that's like, we've got to really serve him, you know, otherwise he's going to be mad at me, right? And David, who's walked with God for a long time, I think, before he wrote this, and he said, oh, I had it all wrong. I thought that I had to crawl on my hands and knees and say, oh, God, come to me. When he's like, no, he set the feast for me. He anointed my head. He set me apart. He healed me. You getting the, getting the, getting the gist of it? Because what the enemy does is says that you're not special. God's not interested in you. That his blessings for everybody else right here in this room and online, that could be millions of people. Millions. Right? But not you. And David's like, no, I want you guys to read this in such a way that you know it's you. It is you. Okay. You know, my head with oil. My cup overflows, which means I want to have fellowship with you. And then he says this, Surely goodness and love, covenant love. The, the word here says follow me, but the, the word, in, and it is translated uh, correctly in some versions, it says it will pursue me. All the days of my life. I think that both of them are instructive to us and, and help us with, with the promise. Because in, in some sense, we're, we're like, am I walking up ahead? And we know that the shepherds in, in the, the east, they, they always led their sheep, right? Um, so why is, why is my shepherd coming behind me? Am I, am I falling behind? Um, but I, I like the word pursue. The Lord is pursuing me. See, everybody is kind of taught that you have to seek the Lord. But once you've sought the Lord and you found him, <laughs> actually he found you, all you did was, 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 was chase and then stop, and then you turned around and you're like, hey, you've been pursuing me the whole time? He still pursues you. He's still pursuing you. Did you know that? He's so close that all you have to do is stop and turn around, and there he is. 
And he says, he will pursue me all the days of my life. So what's a day that Jesus isn't going to pursue you? Have any of you ever wandered? Anybody wandered? Anybody wander this week? It's like, oh, I'm a, I'm, I'm a sheep. I'm wandering. That's my job. <laughs> well, while you wander, he pursues. And so he will never leave you or forsake you. That's the promise. And then it says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I love this. A lot of times we think, oh, when I die, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's another uh, uh, psalm that I, I was reading when I was in Guatemala, Psalm 27. And there's, a, I was having, David says this, a similar thing. He says, you know, there's one thing I seek. There's just one thing I want. I want to dwell in your house. I want to, I want to be with you. And I, I spent some time just meditating and talking to the Lord about that thing. And I felt like the Lord say, I have, you know, I have a house for you. It's not a physical house. We're, you know, we, we have this, this passion. It's like, I really want to know the Lord. I hope you have that passion. I, I know you do. But he says, there's a place that I call home for you. And it's not something over there, and it's not a place you have to go to. It's not, a, it's not anywhere. But I, I think even Leonard said it. He takes up his home in our hearts. And I, I, the, the thing that, that came to me and the thing I, I want to transfer to you is that a lot of times we think that God is somewhere out there. He's far, you know, maybe he's far, maybe he's close, but I have to get to him. But there's a place called home, and it's already with you. And that's the greatest promise we could possibly have. But the enemy's a liar. And this last part of the psalm is talking about Overcoming, really, overcoming the lies of the enemy. And David wanted to remind himself, and he wanted to remind all of us, that's not how God sees us now. You're already home. It's a place called home. It's in your heart, and it's where Jesus lives. He says, abide in me, and I'll abide in you. Amen? Okay, so how did I want to end this this morning? I wanted us to get a hold of these promises, the three. God's presence is with us in the darkest valley. We've been through a few dark valleys, all of us, haven't we? We've already discovered that he was there with us. But now, we will probably enter a few more, and he will be with us. And so I wanted us to to pray that when you're going through it, I want you to remember and pray, Lord, let me see you in this valley. Maybe the shadow that I see is not the shadow of death, but the shadow of you blocking out the sun. (laughs) Because you're big, and you're bigger than anything I've got. 
And then the promise of his peace, that in the midst of your enemies surrounding you, uh, you're able to just enjoy a meal and say, Lord, you got this. And then uh, the last thing was really just uh, the promise of God's purpose. When he anoints us, he sets us apart. Sometimes I, I think the thing that I'm most afraid of in this world is that my life won't count. But God anointed us, each and every one of us, with a grand purpose. And it might not come in a big showy thing. You might not, you know, show up in Hollywood. <laughs> in fact, I hope you don't. <laughs> no, if that's your calling. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, but know that he has grand purpose for each and every one of us. And if we're not experiencing that, that's the lie from the enemy. It's as we touch lives one-to-one that he makes the biggest difference. So let's pray. Lord, we want to just pause for a moment and thank you for the thousands of promises that we forget each day. But there's three at least, probably more in this passage, for each and every one of us. And as we learned a few weeks ago, it's up to us to say, yes, I'll take that one. And for those, if we're in a tough place right now, we grab a hold of the reality that you are with us and that you're leading us and you're providing for us and you're taking care of everything so that we can let out our sigh and experience your presence. And if we're anxious because it seems like there's enemies around us, Lord, we thank you for your peace that comes because you are with us. Thank you for that. And lastly, Lord, for your purpose, we thank you that you have grand purposes for us as children of God, that we can rest in you. And our greatest purpose has already been fulfilled, and that is that we have a place called home, that you've called us to yourself, and our purpose is to worship you with all of our lives. And so, Lord, we thank you that you've already fulfilled us in one great sense. And now from that place, we would go and fulfill what you've called us to do. And Lord, lastly, I just want to thank you that you give us this gift of your word this morning, uh, that we always have a place to go back to, to remind ourselves when we forget how good you are, that you're pursuing us, that you're actively anointing us, and that you're healing us and calling us to yourself. Thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for letting me walk you, take a slow walk through this psalm. Um, Use these verses as as your quiet time this week and let God open them up even further to you. I... There's a number of times this week as I was going through this that uh, the Lord spoke to me, uh, other precious promises, and uh, encouraged my heart. So 
Yeah, you don't have to read a lot of the Bible. <laughs> That's what I found. I mean, it's like, why did God give us such a big book when I could spend the rest of my life with this, with this verse? Um, uh, but in case we get bored of all of his promises, he's got more for us so, to discover. God bless you. Thank you for joining us online. Be encouraged today. Uh, the rest of us, it smells like garlic bread of some sort. Um, so it looks, it, it looks like uh, lunch is about ready to be served. So uh, have a great day, and we will, got, we will see you guys next week.